2: All right, then. Atmaners,
0: let's do this, then. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: (laughs) All right.
4: Your Honor. If you're interested in becoming a manager, why not speak to my Neil? He can tell you all you need to know about becoming a manager, as he is a manager. He can advise you on management overalls, management willies, and the right management hand scrub to use to get the pig shit out from under your fingernails. Because he's a manager. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
5: Everyone, it's Auntie Jean here. We are at the Old Fleece near Stroud, and we've had a lovely roast dinner lunch. And I am with Barb, aka Kelowna Girl, Eric, Julie Harvey. And Barb and Eric are over from Canada again. And Julie is living up near Stratford-on-Avon at the moment. She's come an awfully long way to be here, so that's lovely. We are going to sing you a Dumpty Dum. How good it will be... Oh, my husband's here as well, but he didn't want to join in because, you know, he doesn't really listen to the archers. He's Why did I marry him? I must get a divorce. I must remember to do that. Anyway, are we ready after three? Okay, one, two, three Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dum, Dumpty 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 Dum,
0: Dumpty Diddy Dum, Dumpty Dilly, Dumpty Diddy, Dumpty Diddy Dum Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Diddy
3: Dum Bah Bye
2: Hey, folks, this is dumb Dum, the show about the reality drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the spectacular winning <laughs> idea that is Roy Fieldbrand and sometimes Larry the Lamb. And with me are the massive allotment that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Biggie's practical joke, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumb-Dumb comes from my auntie, your auntie, everybody's auntie, Jean. Wasn't that lovely, our Luce?
1: It was. Mm-hmm. Very tuneful and- as well. It was. It was. Normally, when people have had a had a few ales, it's more about uh, volume than than tunefulness. But that was very good.
2: No, no. Absolutely. I don't think their liquid lunch was liquid enough. Really. Well, no. no, Not if they
1: if they had a roast, it would all sop it up. The Yorkshires would sop everything up, wouldn't it? Mm,
2: But I was on about a liquid lunch being like beer drinking. Yeah, I know. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yes, I got Oh, Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Right. Okay. I thought (laughs) it meant gravy. Because I know <laughs> I've probably said this before, right? But it is one of the many little downsides. There aren't lots of big downsides to being over here in San Francisco land. But, like, they don't do gravy. There's not proper gravy. You can't get a roast and there's no gravy. Gravy is a creamy thing over here, which is very odd. Like yeah. gravy and biscuits. Yeah, it's not proper. So when there's a gravy and biscuits on a menu, initially you just think, how can I have? gravy with digestive biscuits like it makes no sense but it's the different biscuits in a different gravy and I will say now Lucy if somebody else wants to send us in a dum dum how can they do that
1: if you would like to tell me where I am in the script or leave us a prop prediction <laughs> then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on Speakpipe. thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups yay Shambridge for her brilliant voices yay Mike Hatton for his character counts and to Derek, for the loan in the back bedroom, uh, Derek has loved seeing the pictures of the new arrival at Number 10 Downing Street, trotting about, weeing in corners. And then, of course, he got a puppy. Hey.
2: <laughs> On this week's episode, we have views from Claire from Clapham. My Claire. Uh, Paul Room, Paul Broome. Witherspoon. And, oh, I love my Vicky Cole. But first, folks, before all that good stuff, top of the shot, Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. <laughs>
1: This week in Ambridge was brought to you by gritted teeth and more bitters than storm. <laughs> well done, Phoebe. Well done, Pip. Goodness me, rewilding has won. Half a million quid for just saying, leave it alone. And how nice it must have been for the other entrants to hear the winning team say, thanks, Gran. Yes, thanks, great aunt. All the refreshing openness and honesty of a Saudi principality. The three Stooges had a meeting with Piggy. When she arrived, they were all sitting there, panting Prosecco breath and holding out their cupped hands with an eager smile. But instead of handing over the used tenors, as they were expecting, she told them there were a few sticking points they'd have to get over. Firstly, Mm. they need 400 acres to rewild. And so far, they've got um, 15, 20, none, which is going (laughs) to be challenging as they live in a farming community where farmers farm. To be honest, farmers in Ambridge kind of like farming, really. They've been doing it for a while now. Uh, They've got the wellies and everything. And really, Mm. they might as well carry on. And they're a bit reluctant to hand over their field so the three stooges can fill them with wood lice and nettles. So they're starting small. They are rewilding Poppy's sandpit first, and then the bit behind the ball, and then Pip's bikini line. This has gone down like a cup of cold sick at Brooker's. Ruth mm-hmm. is like a small Geordie bundle of fury. She is having a sulk of toddler-like proportions. After telling Pip last week that she had forgiven her, but forgot to add the caveat: "Unless you win, in which case I'm going to make your life a misery." She's got <laughs> all she's got all the cows to stop speaking to Pip. She's reset the plate meter so it'll make I think the soil qualities like the Gobi Desert. And she's written Pip Arch is a poo head across the rickyard in slurry, but she's not mm. bitter. She's disappointed. Great news. Lexi is back. Ring out those bells and pass the Garriscon. How that woman is going to stick the last few weeks of her elephant-like gestationary period, I do not know. She's got Jennifer, who, given half a chance, would feed her fibre-filled food and then strap her to the bed while she shouts through her navel, now remember, darling, you're a reflection on me, so it's what, not pardon, lavatory, not toilet, and don't tell anyone great-grandma was a barmaid. (laughs) (laughs) Lexi has to sleep in a room that sounds like some kind of surrealist CBeebies nightmare with animal stickers leering at her from every surface. Ian, who's all over the place like an out-of-control crop sprayer. And worst of all, as she hauls herself out of her chair, ankles swollen, maternity tights unrolling down her groin, she's got Adam saying, I'm so tired. She did have quite a nice chat with Roy, though, who told (laughs) her she was huge. Lexi was sadly unable to return the compliment. Then she went out (laughs) for the evening for some sort of charity concert organised by Ian for the hospital ward of the child of the chef who got covered in coolie with the Magimix exploded, which made Tracy think he was a ghost. Oh, keep up. I never found out who was playing at this concert. Who was it? Did I drift off? Tommy Croker, Jr.? The Borsetshire Bolivian nose flute Sinfonietta.? or a prodigy tribute act comprising Auntie Cardboard and the care assistants from the laurels. Peggy is having a high old time being an absolute cow. She's deliberately given the half a million quid to the most stupid idea going just to piss everyone off. Then she told them they couldn't actually have the money yet, and now she's winding Kate up. Only Peggy Woolley would Uh fake incontinence Uh to make Uh a point what a woman <laughs> jazza and Jimus have made up which was very nice particularly when jazza announced that he loved Jimus, who then reared back in alarm like a shying pony but told jazza that he thought of him like a son meaning therefore he would take a mild interest in his affairs but would also take every opportunity to belittle him <laughs> will and ed <laughs> are now both living back at home oh eddie it's quite like old times said clary Ed's upstairs smoking crack and William's making a <laughs> list of people who don't deserve happiness. It's nice to have them back, Eddie. Clary wants to help, so he's doing some strange sort of rehabilitation therapy where William has to fill up empty jam jars with nails. I think it's rehabilitation therapy, or she may be covertly tr- trying to get him to create nail bombs to throw at Susan.
3: Mm.
1: Uh, Emma has gone a bit bitter and told Ed that she doesn't want anything to do with the Gruntis. That is going to be a little bit tricksy, Emma, if you don't mind me saying so. You've been married to two of them. You've had children by two of them, and you're called Grundy. In fact, you're called Grundy Grundy. It's going to take more (laughs) of a breakup haircut to untangle yourself from that. And finally, Yakult, I have now decided, is not refreshingly honest. He's just thick. Two weeks ago, he could see right through Kate. This week, he's transformed into the kind of hapless moron that becomes the most common personality type for the benighted men of Ambridge. Anyone that met Peggy for half a second would realise that she opens beer bottles with her teeth and most definitely does not need a carer. Oh, well. I was hoping just for once we'd get an eligible man in the village whose IQ was slightly higher than the number of his knees, but apparently not. Oh, well. Plus, ça change. The end.
2: Uh, Lucy?
1: Hello.
2: Charlie was pretty smart. He
1: was intelligent.
2: He was eligible.
1: Yes, but gay. I mean, a straight one. They always make the gay ones cleverer. Do they? Yeah.
2: Adam's not clever.
1: Um, Well, he's more clever than, say, Rex. Oh, maybe not. Because Rex is nice, but daft. Rex is mm. a golden retriever, as I've said before. <laughs> well, I think,
2: but isn't Rex also, hasn't Rex got a certain level of social intelligence? He's, emotional
1: he's really, intelligence? Yes, he has, he has.
2: That's what I meant, emotional. Yeah. I said social. I meant emotional.
1: Hmm. Adam go. kind of has, does he? No,
2: he doesn't. He doesn't, does he?
1: Um, Adam. Uh Yes, I think he does. Mm. Yeah, I suppose
2: he does when it comes to the family intradynamic. He's, but, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, I don't know why I went off on that. I know I said that there are some intelligent, eligible single men in Ambridge because mm. if I didn't say that immediately and then I said, Lucy, that was so much better than last week, I would have <laughs> forgotten Like the very fact of me having to say that, I would have forgotten. So I had to get it in first. So I did that. Uh, Right. So mm, rewilding seems to me, and I know nothing about nothing, as I said last week. And trust me, Lucy, I know nothing about nothing. And that is uh, acutely aware of one of the things I said last week, because if if another person tweets me about this. Topic again, I'm gonna lose my schnizzle right? But anyway, I will fully apologize uh, later on in the show. Um, rewilding isn't mm. that just like money for doing nothing.
1: I don't understand it, and I definitely don't understand how they're going to do it when they actually don't have any land. It's the kind of thing people do when they've got I, there's a, a, a farm I read about in Somerset who've done it, mm. but it's their own farm they've got like you know 400 acres or something and they have turned it over themselves to mm. uh rewilding and they have they have um people come and visit it and they have tours through it and they've reintroduced certain wildlife species and things like that um but that's their own farm how you how you go around persuading other people to give you bits to carve up bits of your land which are
3: mm.
1: well i suppose they'd say they're redundant or unprofitable but I can't really see. I mean, land seems to be at such a premium in Ambridge, and they're forever saying, "If only we had a few more acres," or they buy more acres. Why would they do that if, if, unless you know, no one? if, If they had spare land, why would they not? Why would they then go go be so keen to buy more? So I don't know where the hell this land is coming from, and I cannot kind of believe that somebody as astute as Peggy would you know, I mean, it's all very well saying, you know, oh it's it's it was the most ambitious and it had the most scope. But that's like Elon Musk suddenly announcing that, you know, he's gonna Uh build a library on the moon. I mean we can we could all go, oh okay, that's nice Elon, well done. Yeah. But no one's expecting him to sort of do it. No one's no one's sort of forking over cash and going, go on then. It's just pie in the sky, and that's what this seems to be. And I can't believe a businesswoman like Peggy would uh, would see that at all. Would would mm. would fall for it? I suppose. Mm. Well,
2: I don't know enough about uh, agriculture, the soil, the countryside, business. Peggy, the archers, <gasps> at all to comment I'm on s- any of that.
1: So I'm so glad that bloody soil school didn't win. <gasps> Can you imagine what it would have been like for us having to listen to Adam droning on about soil specimens for the next four years? Mm. Well, but the mine, thing is, I'm so excited. I've got microbes. Oh, shut up.
2: Mm. It could have been the most exciting project going, but Adam fronting it and having to tell you about <laughs> it, it's going to seem boring, <laughs> isn't it? That's the problem with Adam. You know. <laughs> uh, so um, Ruth and our Pip, you know, Ruth is all upset. You know, we're going to pass the farm on to you. You, your cow bag of a daughter, have just like mm. basically given us the V sign. Um, mm. How right was Ruth?
1: Somebody on Twitter, mm. I read it sort of fleetingly, was saying that every interaction Ruth has is actually very manipulative. She's not a very direct person and she is a massive sulker. And you can't, It's. she said, she gave in to Pip too soon and just wanted to make things better and wanted because she knew that David was stressed because they weren't getting on and just said, okay, I forgive you, it's all over. But mm. if you say that, you actually have to mean it. You can't then, when you're bored, you know, or you're a bit pissed off because you're now doing the milking and da da That's a separate thing then. You have to start again from the beginning. You can't just sort of reheat an old row Put it in the microwave and then flare it all up again. You know, it's it's not on. You you, she, she is she is a proper proper sulker, and I hate sulkers. And yeah, so I I I really hate it. And she's making me feel very uncomfortable. And she's not behaving like a responsible mother. Although although it's, you know, it's two adult women and colleagues talking to each other. They're still you know P- pip isn't the most emotionally intelligent person in the world and she genuinely doesn't understand what she's done wrong um and she just keeps saying but you forced me to choose mm. without realizing that the point is she shouldn't have put them in a position to have to say that to her in the first place um so she's more like her father i suppose who sort of hides his head in the sand and it's sort of tries to ignore things um But Ruth just sort of seems to throw all her toys around and then really, really full on sulk. It's just not a very Mm. good example of, you you would hope that Pip would think, right, well, I'm not going to be like that with Rosie then. Mm. Well,
2: I think what I like about the whole Brookfield dynamic is you've very clearly seen that David has a problem with Josh, doesn't he? Josh just Mm. winds David up. Yeah. Ditto Pip with Ruth. It just rhymes Ruth up.
1: Well, I and think far... Josh reminds David of Kenton. Mm, well, that kind of breezy, everything's going to be fine, just leave it to me. I've just made a slightly under-the-radar decision and I don't want to dwell on it. We'll just sort of skate through the trouble kind of thing.
3: Mm. But
2: where, wherever it comes from, the, you know, the these parents have three kids and have a niggle a slight beef with two out of the three. Mm. So I'm wondering if this is all a long-winded roundabout way of Ben basically being the anointed one, that Ben's going to end up with the farm. Josh is going to have his business. Well, think about it. Josh is going to have his business, and Mm -hmm. Josh is slightly semi-detached from the farm. He's always begrudgingly has to do milking or something or another. He's always got something to do with his... Tractors and he's buying and he's selling, hasn't he? Pip now has this project, and maybe she's going to go off in in the direction of less direction, uh, less intervention on the land is good, maybe. But Ben, the whole thing with Ben and was it Bess the dog? Mm. You know, Ben was like, Oh, yes, I'll have this dog, and the dog's already working on the farm. And we don't hear either parent scold Ben admonish Ben, have a niggle with Ben for anything. Admittedly, we're only just hearing Ben recently. But
1: what about when when Ben and Freddie went joyride? Was it No, Ben and oh, Rory but, yeah, went but, joyride? But that, didn't they? But
2: that's, but that's parenting. That wasn't to do with the farm. And not, no, that's uh, true. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. I just wonder if we're not
2: basically seeing that. You know, that we're going to have a situation whereby, you know, Brookers, because we've always thought this is going to be Pip's farm. And yeah. the very fact that Pip um, well, Pip isn't married, but like Rosie, sorry, Rosie is an archer, not a fair brother as well, you know, because I think at Brookie, there always has to be an archer in control. So I went, ah, so maybe, you know, Pip is going to pass it on to Rosie, but, but I'm thinking it might be Ben, might be Ben. Don't know. I'm just putting no, that out No, I still there.
1: think it's going to be Pip and Rex.
2: Hmm. Which does go back to 1950s archers a fair brother mm. and an archer together mm. 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 anyway Arloes, um, I need to say sorry uh, so why don't we go on to some calls so then when the said right person says Royfield you're messed up dude uh, I can then fully <laughs> apologise to you and, excellent uh, I should look forward uh, to that. Uh, Yeah, but, um, but, but uh, wait a minute I've lost myself oh there we are right so now we do a bit of this
4: Right,
2: right, first off, it's the Upper Lower West East Side.
3: Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs.
0: Mercy. Greetings Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Excellent show last week with lots of good discussion. Royfield, sorry to hear that Noah didn't do well in his first year at university, and here's hoping he has a much better second year. I get lots of referrals into my practice of young men who have failed out of college in their first year, many fewer referrals of women who are in the same predicament. Why does it seem that more 18-year-old boys are ill-prepared for the academic rigors of higher education? Well, that would take a whole podcast to discuss. I don't blame the parents, except for those who drag their kids across the finishing line of high school or have propped them with an excess of tutoring and test prep. But a lot of high school students seem to have received messages from outside of their parents that the focus of university is on partying and not academics and don't have enough appropriate peer models. This leads us back to the archers. I've called the writers out on this before, so sorry for repeating myself. But in the 12 years or so that I've been regularly listening, I can't recall a young man going off to university. A few have outright rejected the idea. Even Dan Mm. chose a military academy, which is not the same as getting a university degree at West Point or the Naval Academy in America. We know that Alistair went to university, but there's never a reference to that. University types such as Rory and Russ are portrayed as effete losers. Even the prof, Jim, is portrayed as overly intellectual and not someone who rolls up his sleeves and works. Mm. So please, can we have Hmm. one young man who is serious about his studies? Thank you, signed, Witherspoon. Named after Scotsman John Witherspoon. Writers, look him up.
3: (laughs) Oh,
2: well, I can't talk on this topic because I got booted out of um higher education loose but i you know what i had never thought that but he is right isn't he
1: he is he is Hmm. and it's interesting because um there's a big thing at the moment about um boys and their attitude to academic success and how there's a huge uh, sort of strata of boys who don't see being clever as Aspirational at all? It's not something that mm. they're interested in. They judge themselves on very different criteria, which doesn't stand them in very good stead. Which is why girls are often overtaking them. But um, yeah, I it would spe- be really good to. to mm. Oh, hang on! Didn't didn't Toby and uh, Toby and Rex go to university? Yeah, isn't but, that where they did all that?
2: They, but they arrived at Ambridge afterwards. We didn't hear. Yeah, them nobody's going, gone off. And their, I know and their well. attitudes too. But what, Adam what is,
1: did. He went to university and then went straight off to Africa to do his gap year.
2: Mm, well, I I wasn't listening when when Adam did that because I must mm. admit I was always surprised that there was a, a character called Adam that came back from nowhere. As far as I was concerned, all of a sudden he was. Uh, they talked about um, Adam and um, you know him being in Africa, and all of a sudden he came back and I'm like who the hell's this? You know he just yeah. came from nowhere. He hadn't been in it for, for eons.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: but the whole this whole this whole thing about boys and further higher education um, and the, the attitude to intellectual smarts is uh, somewhat of a, a, a chronic one to do with West Indians, West Indian boys, as opposed to African boys, that there is a, a real sharp divide that in African communities, with and this is in the US and the UK, actually, that um, African boys and girls uh, do excel in in school and definitely in higher education, further education. Uh, but it's West Indians, specifically in, in the UK, West Indian boys. West Indian girls actually do. But it's West Indian boys that have um, a, a much tougher time and then look for other, um, other ways of getting social proof of worth, yeah. which are not to do with academia. Why do you, you think know? that is? Um, well, there's, there's one key difference. And I'm talking about the UK as opposed to the US now. But there's one key difference is that the pattern of immigration from the West Indies uh, or from Africa to the UK is very different. So the West Indians that came on Windrush from 1948 through to 1970s, the West Indians that came were fundamentally working class. And it's something which I documented in in How Jamaica Conquered the World, whereas African immigration to the UK is middle class. So invariably, if you know of a... A black accountant or doctor they have an african surname and you can look at it in in parliament look look at look at it in parliament not always so you do have james cleverly um but quasi quotang sam uh, Gaya i'm probably mangling the surname these are of african descent and they're mm. tories and then um, Diane Abbott on the Labour side, they're all of West Indian origin,
1: mm.
2: you know. So it pays, it, it re, you know, and it's one of these things which, if you're black, you know this. But Yeah, that's um,
1: really interesting. I'd yeah. never thought of that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's it, it, completely in British politics, you can see it. But oh. if you know of a black doctor in the UK, chances are, not always, the chances are African surname um etc etc it's like it's the it's the africans that came over always overqualified but they had an idea but they had an idea of social strata but how to navigate the social system through edu- and to how to weight things slightly in your favor through education etc cetera, etc cetera. the west indians didn't my so i've said before my parents never once sat down and read read me a book sat down mm. with, with my homework but they would say they were so pro-education but they didn't have the inherent tools to help yeah,
1: them. yeah. They,
2: they didn't have those they didn't have the experience it wasn't learned yeah. uh, behavior uh for them whereas the africans that come over they're like they've all they've gone to university in africa all their parents have and then they and, and they understand it in kind of inherently you know but mm. yeah but this and then there's this uh study five six seven years ago um, looking at the educational attainment of um, u- uh, teenagers, young adults in the UK, and actually, white working-class boys is lower than black mm. West Indian yeah. girls. Which is, yeah. uh, I, I fell over backwards when you know you yeah. read that and stuff. And there is there there is this thing, um, and it's massive and it's malevolent. It's, Prevalent within UK mm. society of white working class boys being, being left behind, but also black West Indian boys don't, don't attend. Yeah. So before people say that, I, you know, that I'm missing that. But then bottom of the pile is actually Bangladeshi boys.
4: Bangladeshi
2: right. and then above them is Pakistani boys. But it's always whatever the, the um, racial classification is, the girls always do better. You know, it's always mm. the boys that are, that are kind of somewhat dragging the side down, but white, working class boys, you know, it's, uh, and then... I did we, some,
1: some some work mm. in a school in uh, Tower Hamlets and um, it's an incredibly good school and uh, it's a girls' school and uh, the head of sixth form said to me, she said, we have, she said, our girls go to university and they are determined to go to university. And I said, is that because of their parents pushing them? Is that one of the reasons encouraging? And she said... Uh, partly, but she said also it's because they are desperate not to have to marry any of the their contemporaries mm. in Tower Hamlets because they are streets ahead of them. And she said they see it as prison, and she said they're just trying to get out. And uh, they, she said, when you compare our girls with their contemporary boys uh, at the boys' school, she said there's there there, there streets streets ahead. Mm. Goodness! It's a shame. I don't know how how it's become that uh, that um, disjointed, that that uneven, unequal.
2: Well, it, you get into slight, slightly uh, dodgy ground here now, but we have with the decline of manufacturing. Traditional male roles throughout the Western world have been um, relegated f- from worth. You know, to have a good old, good old-fashioned blue-collar job and you can mm. bring home the bacon. You know, yeah. th- those jobs just aren't there, let alone there isn't the social work. Well, you talk about people social... having
1: a trade, don't you? But it's yeah. very few yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. So
2: uh, being a carpenter or mm. anything was seen as traditionally male, of which you didn't have to go and, and, and study for. And then associated with that, and we really are on the themes of slightly of last week, but then associated with... Um, those traditional roles was you know masculinity, some level of brute force, some level, not with all jobs of, of, of aggression, et cetera, et cetera. And rightly so, we have said that um, being aggressive, or just strong in and of itself is not such a great thing We, mm. we live it because they marginalized uh, women so and, and these are understandable understandable changes that we 've made to how we value mm. society and roles within it and what we 're going through is this crossover period where we said, Well, social worth now is about is about intelligence and empathy and communication, and these are traditionally. Uh, roles of which women have excelled at, and it's not it's, it's roundabout time that women have been able to go into the workplace and and to have have jobs and roles which um which are are valuable. First world war women went into the the labor workplace for the first time. And excelled at actually a lot of those jobs, which are seen as traditionally male in factories, munitions, driving buses, and as soon as the men mm. came back, kicked out, mm. kicked out right, and now we have a society whereby those jobs are are going, and what and there 's nothing readily for for boys to take their place and I just mm. think that we 're going through a historical period where there is some kind of realignment but it just so mm. happens that we're, we're in it and it hasn't happened actually yet so
1: mm. we're waiting when, to recalibrate sort
2: of thing exactly mm.
1: well I mean look at Pip look at Ruth she was a trailblazer in Ambridge she was a farmer on equal terms with David she wasn't a farmer's wife she was a farmer is mm-hmm. and yes that's then encouraged Pip that will encourage Rosie that you know it's and that's changed in Jill's lifetime she wouldn't have Jill would not have talked about a farmer being a woman. Mm. She wouldn't have described a, wo- a woman as a farmer.
2: True that. And I've always think, thought that that was, um, you think of somebody like Peggy, the character of Peggy, the fundamental changes that she's seen in her life.
1: Ah.
2: You know, the, 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 the change of the role of women, also the acceptance of being gay you know, she embraces mm. Adam, whereas, you know, that was just something you just, you either mm. totally reviled or at least didn't talk about,
4: you mm. know. Yeah.
2: And and I, I, so I've always been much more sympathetic to the character than, the, of, of Peggy than kind of like most, because I think, relatively speaking, considering she's supposed to be 100 years old. Um, she's
1: doing very well. <laughs> well, I think she is,
2: you know. Yeah. I, I, I really do think that she is, you know, she uh, and again, and it doesn't. I love get her re-
1: interactions with Kate when she said, Wow, oh, you could have asked me to do that. She's on
2: her metal. She's so <laughs> yeah. on her metal. She's so yeah. twisted Kate up something good yeah. and proper last week. Yeah. That was comedy gold. Uh, yeah. but, but just to belabor the point. Right. That, and I know many people go, well, well so what? the fact of the matter is that when peggy was a child in her formative years you know she has a she has a black great grandchild
3: mm. you yeah. know
1: unspeakable
2: yeah. when she was yeah. growing up in the 1930s and she's about forces. to have a
1: a, grand, a grandchild of an <laughs> of an Estonian fruit picker or whatever <laughs> um yeah uh, bulgarian. What, You bulgarian know, yeah 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 whatever whatever that is um you know, uh d- being being uh, provided for her to for her, her gay grandson. I mean it's yeah. you know, phenomenal change. Uh,
2: and and maybe, 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 maybe this was uh this is somewhat of a a liberal person's wet dream of a a, a matriarch. Maybe mm. it would have been true well, to She life still kicks just... off
1: every now and again, doesn't she? She wasn't overjoyed about the baby.
2: She, you know I generally can't remember. Was she not overjoyed, or did she ask about the mechanics of how that works? I generally I can't remember.
1: Think she was well, she just didn't really. I don't. Yeah, I just don't think she understood properly. Mm. But then maybe.
2: Maybe it would be a little bit more true to life just to have her question yeah. the, the odd thing, you know, yeah. because let's say she, she she's seen so much social change in her life let alone you know, anybody else. But anyway, moving on from the lower upper east-west side, thank you, Mr. Witherspoon. And, yes, Noah is doing well. Thank you for um, using that as a, a, a springboard for talking about uh, young men, boys and, and their attainment. And it invariably is the boys that kind of uh, struggle in their first year. But he's now doing economics or economics and is much happier. So, um, but I, I'm going to keep a keep an eye on him and I will be back up in Ottawa in, I don't know, about five weeks time or so just to to make sure that he's doing well. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's our Claire and she's from Clapham.
4: Hi Dumpty Dumps. it's Claire from Clapham here. A um, couple of things. One was, I just loved Jim and Jazza this week and mm. it's just such a joy to hear them just say how much they mean to each other and... Um, that poked me up no end. Uh, more of that. In fact, more Jazza generally, as you know, that's my favourite. Uh, and more Tracy too, because she's just brilliant at the moment. On the subject of Ed and Emma, I, I don't know. I thought they were going to get back together and I'm not so sure now. But I think Royfield's right about it should not be too quick. I think they need time to be apart and learn to appreciate each other, appreciate each other again. Though, as a part of me feels like all the Grundy's are better off without Emma at the moment. But then she did redeem of herself a bit on Sunday. Well, I can't talk about that because that's next week. Anyway, keep up the good work. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye-bye.
1: I think everyone loved the Jim and Jazza thing.
3: Yeah.
1: It was just – but I didn't – I was slightly irritated with Jim that he had to say uh, – Jazza jazz said he was going off to see Harrison Burns and he said, oh, your confidant – and I thought if you've, it's again, like, like Pip, like Ruth, if you've forgiven Jazza, then stop talking about it. Stop bringing it up again. Because, you know, it's either one thing or the other. You can't keep hauling back old things that are past uh, just when you feel like, you know, you've, you've, you've either got to uh, give it up properly or have the proper confrontation and then accept that it's not over and that you haven't forgiven the person. You've still got issues that are sort of rankling. Um but then, when you know, when he saw, when he said, "But you're like a son to me, Jazza," it was so nice.
3: Mm,
2: it was, um, and we, I think we all kind of worried after Jazza ran after Harrison Burns that um, mm. things were going to be a little bit choppy between them. But Jim could see, even though it's not what Jim wanted at all, Jim knew that Jazza did it out of pure love and concern, mm, and yeah, and, and that and that was good. Good to have on our radio radiograms and stuff because we Mm. we we love the pair of them um what do you think to this quiz malarkey because we didn't talk about it last week did we
1: i found it really a bit pointless really just i didn't really understand i mean i know it 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 got it got jim out of the house and it got will out of the house it's more like occupational therapy than anything else but um Mm. yeah it was it's fine it's just a bit really but I, mm. I I don't like quizzes anyway, and I don't like listening to other people doing pretend quizzes Did, on the radio. When
2: when I first met you, mm. when you 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 were still basking in the glow of doing an Ambridge quiz night at some boozer.
1: No, 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 no. I like doing. I like being the quiz person. Ah. Uh-huh. Writing it, I don't like. I don't like doing it. I find it unbelievably boring. Mm. Yes.
2: Well, I tell you what quiz question comes up what's the current what's the currency of poland i now know the answer <laughs> uh at least. but uh let, let, let's move on let's move on because uh maddie maddie does take me to task uh now let's go from my brother from another mother it's Paul room
6: uh, hello you two it's uh, Paul room here i just wanted to uh, call in say loving the show as ever and uh, also an observation that really about the uh, the actors must find it difficult as in the various interviews, you know, when they're not working, obviously they want to be in the uh, Archers as much as they can, but the same must be true of the script writers. I heard recently a radio recording that surely has been written by one of the archer script writers um, for spec savers to encourage people uh, to have a hearing test, bizarrely, because they offer hearing aids. So I'm told. Anyway, it's set on a farm, And uh, as a couple, not unlike Ruth and David, he is hard of hearing. She says to him, oh, look, it's um, about to rain. Can you get the sheets in? And he replies, the lovely right you are. But then there's a lot of barring and hoof stamping, and he uh, gets the sheep in. And there's a load of sheep in the house uh, with much hilarity. Uh, But anyway, yes, it, it just struck me with the right you are in there in the the farming way and it was it was good having Kerry back this week writing <laughs> with a right you are from Clary on Sunday loving
2: the show bye oh. <laughs> I
3: guess watch out back. for
1: that
0: hmm?
1: I quite like the idea of them using the archers um uh sort of uh, tropes on on a spec effort advert that's very good
2: very good indeed. Very good indeed. Uh, so as Paul Room, I think Paul Room only like called in because a couple of weeks ago on that um clip show, um he got bigged up because he hasn't called in forever.
1: No, just, no, he hasn't actually.
2: No, exactly. Yeah, he, oh. he, he heard himself mentioned. And he's like, oh, best call in. So do you think what we should do is maybe like dig up some (laughs) clips of Goddess Diva, uh, Maeve, (laughs) you know, (laughs) troll through. the
1: Once a week, just have nostalgia time where we talk about someone that doesn't call in anymore.
2: Do you remember this (laughs) caller in her, (laughs) everybody? Jacqueline Berto.
1: Where's Jacqueline
2: gone?
5: Don't Hmm. ask me, mate.
2: Mm. Anyway, uh, maybe we'll do that. But here is somebody who, oh, she's been a stalwart for years. It's my Vicky Cole.
5: Hi, everybody. This is Vicky from Sri Lanka. Um, I'm calling in on Friday, so I've just heard Thursday's episode. Absolutely wonderful moment between Jim and Jazza, right? I mm. love that. Thank you, scriptwriters, for that. It was beautiful. But otherwise, Um, I'm sure lots and lots and lots of people will call in about Will and that situation, so I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, I want to say that what I thought would happen has happened. I am very grumpy about the conservation bollocks. And (laughs) how can that stupid proposal have won? How can they not have had the land already lined up? How can it not have been made clear how the money would be distributed and when by the trustees? How is everybody describing it as ambitious and innovative? Because as far as I can see, they just stop doing anything to the land and let it go back to where it wants to be. How is it sustainable? How is it going to make any money? How is it going to produce any food? I think the whole thing is nonsense. Um, I guess that maybe it's designed to fail at the first hurdle um, because they're not going to be able to get 60% of the land committed, are they? Um, And from what I've heard, they need blocks of land, not little parcels here and there. Mm. Um, so I guess if they fail at the first hurdle, then maybe the story will be that the money goes to Brookfield as the runner up. And then we'll just see how the, the dynamic between Ruth and Pip plays out then. Um, oh, I don't know. A bit boring at the moment. But anyway, perhaps it will get better. Anyway, lots of love to everybody. Bye.
1: Oh. Vicky, never, ever say it's a bit boring at the moment because as soon as someone says that, something absolutely ludicrous happens the next week and then we're flooded with calls of people going, this isn't realistic at all. <laughs> so you can't <laughs> win. So never, ever say, it. just revel in the boredom because mm. it means that nothing bonkers is happening.
2: True that. True that.
1: About uh, the William thing, mm. William, I said we were talking off my earlier, weren't we? And um, we said... If he doesn't go to the doctor, he can't get a sick note. So how is he having all this time off work? Because legally he has to have a doctor's note to say. Uh,
2: Yeah, uh, three days, more than three days, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well, he's been off for about two weeks now Mm. because he's been looking after Papi, hasn't he?
2: Mm. True. True. But
1: I did think it was really good that he had a proper cry with Cat Clary and said, all I want is for Nick to come back. Um, Mm. And it's the first time I've you know, because he's moaned about it before in a sort of a a poor poor old me way and he's uh, tried to blame other people for it. Um, But that was the first time that he'd actually just said, I really miss her and just talked about, you know, grief. And uh, I thought that was good. I'm glad that happened for him.
3: Mm.
2: No, it it was good. And I don't, it makes me sound evil now, but I don't want you know, the the ocean-going liner that is Will Grundy to do an about turn immediately, you know, just go 180, bang, you know. Let's have this slow, gradual turn to some level Mm. of normalcy when it comes to him and his behaviour with with other people. Um, Though every now and then we have had the odd flash of humility uh, from the character of Will Grundy. Um yeah, and I must admit I hadn't even noticed that the Grundy Boys were under the same roof. Ruth. Roof, r- roof. Roof. It was only your <laughs> Under the same monologue. roof. <laughs> My God. <laughs> or, you know, our I roof likes to be on one. top. <laughs> <laughs> it was um it was your your monologue and I was like, Oh, bloody hell. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because Ed's gone back home and, and they're looking after mm. William. So yeah. So that in and of itself um, is 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 heartwarming because both of them need support for very different reasons right now and and maybe 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 uh, them being in, you know being cheek by jowl with each other they can also mend their their kind of differences and stuff. So anyway, mm. uh, so that was Vicky Cole. We've done Paul Room. We've done Claire from Clapham. We've done now, Witherspoon.
1: Yeah.
2: All oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Now, now, now it's Maddie. Our apologies. We'll commence at the end of this
3: call.
4: <laughs> Hello. This is yes. Maddie from Ottawa. I'm a second time caller in a row, and also was at the Toronto meetup, which was great. Which reminds me, um, now that your son is at. University in Ottawa, University of Ottawa, maybe Colton University, which one? Maybe I thought you might want to consider an Ottawa meetup one day. There might be others like us around here. And I'm very happy to lend the flat that we have, Pat and I have, which has got nice views and is on a high floor and is big enough, I think, for an Ottawa meetup anytime. And thank you, to you, Royfield, and to Lucy for the wonderful podcast and all the others who are the hosts, because it's really a pleasure. However, there's a couple of things wow. I wanted to comment on last week's podcast. <laughs> one is highly positive, the other one not quite so. So the first one, Lucy, you're the first to use the word, the adjective plotical and I love it. I think it's exactly wonderful and right, uh, because all these things that are happening right now will co- one day come and bite us on the bum, and with the <laughs> arches, that means it's a long term aspect. It yeah. has been going on for decades, and there's no reason why it can't go on forever and ever and ever. so political is what we should be looking out for and not necessarily criticize every twist and turn that we see. however, Royfield, you will find when you check that Poland is not in the eurozone and therefore therefore does have this water and is not going to use the pounds either i don't think with all the goings on in in the british uh, parliament but apart from that wonderful stuff and from last week's episodes just one thing it was funny when david was moaning to tony about the fact that they brookfield had lost half a million pounds poor tony has literally lost half a million pounds from his inheritance and to what
2: oh yeah and and to what uh right Maddie. Uh word to the wise. Time yourself next time uh, and uh, you'll you'll get get all your admonishments <laughs> in, in your two minutes. But yes, Lucy, I had tweets, had an email, had <laughs> uh, yeah, people saying, dude, did you know that zloty is still used in Poland? I apologize, Lucy. I took you to task, <laughs> thought I was being a smart ass, I was like you know, so as I to pull the rug from underneath you, the Zloty is still the currency of uh, Poland. I'm very sorry.
1: I you... got a geography thing right. La, la, mm. la, la, la.
2: Yes. Yes, you did. Yes, Yay! you did. Yes, well, we've been doing did. this
1: for four and a half years, and I've been wrong every other time. So I deserve just one, don't I? Mm.
2: Yes. I think the next Map Corner should be brought to you by Lucy V. Freeman and Claire from Clapham, <laughs> oh <my laughs> because obviously God. I, I am that would be not a very
1: very quiet Lucy V. Freeman and Claire from Clapham doing a lot of talking to compensate. For to me. be fair, uh-huh.
2: all I do, just like with you, I just hang onto your coattails as you just like <laughs> breezily go through this show. It's the same thing happens with Map Corner, you know. So. <laughs> So just hang on to Claire and she'll guide you through uh, an <laughs> okay. hour of entertainment like math talk. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> but Maddie, thank you for the call. Noah is at the University of Ottawa. He's now doing economics, as I think I said before. Um he did. and he's got a place just off Riddell. So he's very close to the downtown and he, he can he can walk to uni as well though. Uh, I think he catches the bus. Uh, he's very close to the university there, and he's got a great place with four uh, lovely young men. Uh, one of them, he came from Kuwait. The other ones come from Vancouver, and the other ones come from the other side of Hamilton. I've got London, Ontario on the brain. But uh, four lovely, uh, great young men embarking on their studies, working hard, and uh, they all seem to have each other's back. Now, as for a meet-up in Ottawa... Um I would love that. I'm gonna be in Canada land I think the month of October before we do Dum Dum. And as I said, I'm gonna go up and just check on Noah. I'll call him Munch Boys, have to called him Munch then. I'll go and check him on Munch just before um <laughs> I, I, I fly fly back out. So um so maybe um if you're serious, uh ping me uh, an email or a tweet or something or another. And we'll see if we can't drum up a, another couple of people to join us for this meetup because um, yeah, that'd, that'd be a nice thing to do in Ottawa. Lucy, do we have any emails? No. Oh, not one. No, nope, not oh. a one. Crumbs. So, right, just before we go on to um, the, the Millie Bell social roundup malarkey bit of the show, um, have we gone through everything that basically the major things that happened? Uh, last week so I got no notes so I said to you off Mike um, I had no time to do notes because I'd just come up come off a, a mid-Atlantic so Ruth and Pip beef Jim and Jazza made up we're rewilding nonsense uh, Jacob and uh, Kate we touched on that a little uh, Peggy uh, kind of cleverness to do with Yakult and Kate what else was there
1: nothing that was it Right. It really wasn't a lot last week.
2: Okay. So just before we go on to um, the end bit of the show, don't forget, folks, November the 9th, get your tickets to come to Birmingham. Quite simply, go to dumdum.com. It's the first thing on the homepage. Hit that link. It'll take you through to the Town Hall website. You'll get Angela Barnes, Funny Woman Supreme. You get Susie Ryds, who plays Tracy Horribin. You get Lucy Freeman. You get Great Three Comic Women. And then you get Mr. Fluff. Uh, and fuck-up uh, thrown in just <laughs> right at the end, just some semblance of, uh, you know, balance, but for all the negative reasons. So I'll be there as well. But they're, but they're, those three are great. And you never know, we might squeeze out another Archer's actor into the mix too. But you were, say, but you were saying, uh, Lucy, that uh, Tracy Horribin's having a tear at the moment. Oliver and the ghost and Tracy, that's what we haven't talked about.
1: I think... Um... Uh quite a few people are thinking, is Tracy going to be the next uh Chatelaine of Gay Grables? Because she does seem to get on so well with um, with uh with Oliver. Oliver. And he seems to have a real soft spot for her and it's nice. Um but yeah, no, I just I just love her. I think the 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 ghost storyline was an absolute pile of shite. But I think that uh the um just just her, she doesn't really need she, I'd listen to Tracy talking about anything. To be honest, she's she mm. just the chuntering on and the the kind of the. Um, she's just got a nice attitude. She doesn't put up with any nonsense. She can see through people, but she still keeps a sort of a weather eye on um, on uh, boosting her own chances at things. I like it. Mm.
2: But she believes in ghosts.
1: Well, if she does, who knows? She does. She
2: that was, she believes in ghosts, but no, that's, I, I I love her too. I uh, love the character too, and uh, the more um working class voices we can hear on this thing, but people doing doing well and succeeding, all the better. So, uh, big up Tracy Horribin. and she will be joining us at Dum Dum Live on Saturday, December the ninth. Now, this is the weird part of the show where I say. You might hear an advert, you might not. If you don't, it's Millie Bell.
6: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is
7: Hello, it's Yoko Bear here, taking a oh. break from <laughs> watching the BBC Parliament channel with increasing horror. Oh. And some confusion. So anyway, um The Archers has been quite a release from you know reality this week. So let's get on with it. We started the week talking about Yakult Oh no, sorry, that's the yogurt, isn't it? Yakob. Um, and I said that, actually, I really like him. Um, He's absolute direct way of talking. Um, and I thought that the um, scene with Peggy and Kate and Jacob was hilarious. Sue Walton agreed. She said, um, I had a real good giggle. Great script writing. Uh, well done. Um, a. Mitchell said, I absolutely love Peggy's very witty revenge on Kate. Kate yeah. saying, "I beg your pardon, priceless." <laughs> Emma Louise Woodhouse actually pointed out another part of that exchange, which is, "I actually I don't like cake. I'm sorry." <laughs> and I think um, also as well, Fiona Armstrong Bell said, "We got Kerry Davis back this week." Yeah, I think I think this was definitely a Kerry week. Lord Emperor Kerry has returned, yeah, it was. and there has been some brilliant script writing. Um, Janice Betson said about Jacob though, um, does he perhaps have Asperger's to a certain degree? Um, mm. What does everyone think? It's the way that he takes everything literally that makes me say that. Nice chap, though. Gillian Corrigan also pointed out the, yeah, he's very literal, does not comprehend embellishment, sarcasm, or outright lies. Um, and Jane Minefield Brash, is that your real middle name, Jane? Minefield. Um, what a great middle yep. name. Um, says, uh, Asperger's, no doubt. Nothing wrong with that, just another way of looking at the world. Now, I have some yeah. thoughts on this, and I'll explain why. One, I think it's very difficult to make a diagnosis um, just from what the scriptwriters have said. But, yeah, there are certain things that make me think that Jacob could be on the autistic spectrum, and I say this as somebody who was, a few years ago, um, diagnosed with um, being on the kind of Asperger's bit of the autism spectrum, um... Though, as I say, if you met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, because it is a spectrum. But there are certain things that I kind of recognise in him. Oh, oh, by the way, people didn't know that about me. Surprise! Um, So, yeah, I think it was... I think it's a possibility, but I'd be interested to see if that develops, or whether he's just a very literal, serious person. Mm. I don't know. We also talked about a little bit about Jenny Darling and how bloody annoying she was fussing around um lexi, lexi. or oh, by the way i think it's great that lexi's back some of the people disagreed though um Alison gray said can't bear lexi can't wait for her to leave again um well do you know what i'm gonna we're gonna agree to disagree because i actually i really like her i think she's great character um but in terms of jenny getting on everyone's Proverbials. Anna Fry said, absolutely. I think Lexi might be regretting the surrogacy. It certainly cost her. Her relationship with Roy going back and forth between her kids, Ian's unbridled excitement, and Jenny's constant feeding is just the cherry on the top. Claire Barrett said about the pregnancy, this really has been the longest nine months of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has been stretched out a bit. Is it nine months? It seems longer than nine months. Oh, that baby's gonna be huge. We also talked about the winning entry, the rewilding project. Um, will it stumble at the first hurdle? You know, all of a sudden, Peggy, who I am absolutely convinced is something like the evil spirit of Hambridge. Um, some kind of trickster who is just Fomenting trouble all the time yep. But when she kind of changed the hurdles a little bit She was like um, Right you've got to go and get the land before the money um, I thought oh god How's this going to go Gillian Corrigan made a prediction That I think is absolutely spot on where She said this deal won't happen So Peggy and co will give it to the second place winner then um, now we'll find out that uh, Brookfield really was the runner-up. Now, my recollection is, is that actually happened, didn't they? That Ruth was quite upset because they found out not only had they lost, but they'd, um, they'd come second, like a really close second. So I think that's a really good plot prediction. Scarlet Air pointed out possibly a bit of a hypocrisy on Ruth's part. Ruth was upset because Pip's project was awarded the money which meant that Ruth couldn't use it to leave it to Pip's generation have I got that right (laughs) yeah I think a little bit but I'm not sure I think there's many other reasons why Ruth is upset with this now, on that thread on our Facebook page, that actually led to a really good discussion, which I'm not going to go into detail. We had a really good discussion about rewilding and d- does it work, does it not? It was like having the agricultural um, advisor in the room. It was great, really interesting, a load of stuff I didn't know about. So go and, go and have a look at it. We also asked the question on a more serious note, not that, you know, global climate apocalypse isn't serious um but should eddie intervene over the guns with will um or will he be end up taking away the only stable thing that's left in will's life right now which is his job the general consensus was yes um he should intervene Elizabeth Llewellyn said somebody should definitely intervene. Um, Sadly, there is still much misunderstanding and stigma regarding mental health. So many people will be reluctant to intervene, particularly family members. Jennifer uh, Preston said, Why has a safeguarding referral not been raised for his children? They've been subjected Mm. to so much. Um, And also as well, Jan A. Mitchell says, um, Second Mention this week, Jan, um, says... Uh, Will needs therapy taking away his gun isn't going to get him through his grief Um, he can always get his hands on a gun so a little bit of you know maybe an intervention but not necessarily around the guns perhaps Um, Stephen Bowden said though if Eddie tells William that he is going to report it to the authorities with a view to having his licence revoked maybe William will sort the situation out all by himself though as Stephen said preferably not in pop his bedroom this time um but yeah it was it's i think it's a really difficult one i think obviously because there's been guns involved and children i would err on the side of an intervention needs to be made but let's see how that pans out finally let's talk about tracy I love Tracy Horovin, and (laughs) (laughs) just the the thought of her wandering round covered in charms and amulets and carrying ghost repellent flowers around Um, just brilliant. But now she's definitely staying at Grey Gables and been given the task of uh, getting more business in. We asked the question: What kind of business is she going to bring in? Pete Ranson said, "Am I right in thinking that the implication that Susan Emma made when referring to Tracy going out on the ras and Susan insisting she never really understood that kind of thing was mm. that Tracy was well into one night stands and casual sex? Yeah. If so, maybe get, uh, Grey Gables could become a swingers' hotspot or the car parker dogging site." <laughs> um, well, maybe, and I will say if that's the way Tracy is, there is no shaming in this podcast roundup. If she wants to go out and get a bit of regular, how's your father with the lads of uh, in felpersham um more power to her. I absolutely love... Paul Norris, love your thinking, a new version of Most Haunted. And I think a couple of people said that as well. Yeah, (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) Tracy Horriban in Night Vision just screaming (laughs) around Grey Gables at two in the morning? Um, Stephen Botley said, Fifty Shades of Grey Gables. Yeah, well, we don't want to know what's going on in the rooms, do we? Um, Matthew Penny said, hopefully nothing to do with Tracy's pipes. Hmm, pipes. Didn't know Tracy was a plumber. And finally, Vicky Cole said, maybe Ian will need to put chilli on the menu. <laughs> God, no. That certainly would turn it into a swingers club. Anyway, that's the end of the social media roundup. You have the wonderful Millie Bell next week. Um, and I'm off now to. Um, deal with the, the political crisis in this country in the traditional British way. I'm just going to pop down to the Winchester, have a pint and wait for it all to blow over. Bye. <laughs> uh, bye-bye, Millie Bell.
2: That was Millie Bell, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Bear.
1: I think she's got a bit of a cold, if it was her, um, Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, funny, funny an Aussie with a cold sounds like a bloke from the West Country. Funny, funny things you yeah. realize. Hmm. Now, uh, Luce, uh, it's time for you to hit us with some newspaper headlines that are humorous, nonsensical, and just okay. bloody funny.
1: This is a classic Mirror headline from this week: mm-hmm. Dad left starstruck after Queen legend Freddie Mercury appears in his pork chop. <laughs> <laughs> And now, uh, Tweets of the Week. Oh, uh, just, just,
2: just before we go into qu- t- Tweets of the Week, d- that just reminded me that I saw... Have you seen Rocketman? The Elton John biopic? Uh, no. It's better than the Queen one. Right. It's a um, bit of a musical, which might sound a bit a bit obvious, but they do do a little bit of a song and they dance halfway through, uh, and it made me appreciate the music of Elton John in a way that I never have done before because I, I I forget which uh, rock star said this but it's never left me they said that Elton John is the one uh, stadium filler that no other musician ever cites as a musical influence and when you when mm. when that was said I went that's completely true no yeah. one bar no one ever says yeah I was inspired by Elton John and I've n- I, I, the, that music is always just washed straight over my head but he does have the odd little musical flourish in the odd song you go, oh that bit's quite nice but it's, it, it, but it, it was, it, it's good I, I really enjoyed it saw it on the flight from Minneapolis to, to San Francisco and watched it I said I'm going to watch this I'm going to hate every second of it it's actually really good the bloke, who, I forget his name, he plays Elton John uh it's great it's very enjoyable it's better than the queen biopic and um, yeah uh so if you haven't seen rocket man go watch it it's it's highly entertaining and i learned a few things about elton john but yeah he is the one big musical star of the last 50 60 years that no one ever cites as a musical influence but mm, yes it's good Anyway, um, tweets in yeah.
1: the week. <laughs> yeah. uh, TJ, first. Jacob just called Kate a peacemaker and an influencer. Is he having some sort of psychotic episode? <laughs> um, hey. Matt Underwood. One thing I don't understand David was supposedly bending over backwards to find a solution to the shutting down. But seeing as it didn't even occur to him to phone the only other abattoir in Borsetshire, what exactly was he doing? This is a very good point. Uh, The girly swat Samantha, Sam Mary D Mark II. Uh, This is Peggy. I look forward to receiving your first progress report. And remember, you're all my bitches now. Peggy walks out in a cloud (laughs) of pink chiffon, mar grief and impending menace. Uh, Keith said, the ghost at Gay Grable's is not a ghost. It is Kathy, who has been accidentally locked in a cupboard for 15 years. (laughs) And uh, finally, Nick, um, uh, talking about uh lexi's impending event like every baby born in ambridge over the last 40 years i assume there was a 50 50 chance it's brian's <laughs> <laughs> talking oh talking
2: about brian um mm-hmm. oh it has yes been, yeah oh. it has been released folks i i have done it uh, the interview of me and charles collingwood aka brian aldridge um is out there um so if you're a Patreon supporter, go on to Patreon and you have it there. I haven't sent out the email yet with the link. So if you are a PayPal supporter of the show, uh, give me a day or so and you will get um, a link to the interview. And I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. Um, he's such, such a lovely bloke to chat to. And um, you never know, he might be coming along to Dumpy Dumb Live. You just say right at the end, Royfield me you know a little bit closer to the time so you never know folks oh. but uh the interview is out there and and then next Lucy's you and uh and Barry aka Ed oh yes so uh, our people are speaking to his people and hopefully that will be arranged
1: that interviews. means we're talking to him
2: yes <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> There's no
5: people. It's just
2: us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, dumbydum.com. Yeah, there's awesome things on there, like um, a link to go and buy your tickets for Dumby Dum Live or even the shop. Because can... the thing is, if you're going to turn up, you've got to turn up with the right apparel.
4: Absolutely. And,
2: and that means a Dumby Dum T-shirt or apron or so- or hat or anything that has the legend Dumdy Dum on it and pro- probably a pair of wellies, I reckon. And then you'll be you'll Do you be later. I
1: can I can I can I can vouch for the importance of this. This weekend I went mm. to the um get together of the Tilling Society, um The Friends of Tilling, uh, which is where Mappa New Cheer is set. And it's a okay. tribute to um E. F. Bedson, who wrote the Mappa New Cheer books. <clears throat> mm. And um I went to Angel and Berman and got a black and silver twenties. Dress and a headband oh, thing. Oh, I, uh,
2: I saw the picture. That was on yeah. Twitter, wasn't it?
1: Mm. Yeah. And uh, my friend Matthew went went with me, and he was in a a dinner jacket. And mm. um, <laughs> we arrived at the at the venue, and there was one man in full hunting nineteen twenties hunting pink. Um, Hmm. another man with, uh, with sort of the relevant period, military medals everywhere. Uh, one man with a completely waxed, uh, mustache and little Van Dyke beard like Georgie. It was, people had really, really gone to town. And Matthew, my friend just looked absolutely appalled. It's like all the color drained out of his face. And I said, what on earth's the matter? And he said, he said, I was genuinely considering not bothering to dress up. He said, I was just going to turn up in jeans and a shirt. <laughs> he said, I would have felt like such a twat. Can you imagine? You know, when everyone's there in their finery. So mm. don't risk it, chaps. Buy all your clothes from Dumpty Dum forever and wear them all to the event.
2: Mm, absolutely. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, little documentary about the history of cosplay, which I just saw last week. Ah. And futuristic costumes were what they were called back then. It started in 1939 at the first World Science Fiction Convention in New York, and it was a husband and wife. They just dressed up. I think there's only about, like, eight people that turned up to the first one, but they (laughs) dressed up and had this, you know, futuristic way of dressing, and it slowly but slowly, you know, kind of, like, caught on. But but you can put it down to this one... Husband and wife were the first first people actually to dress up. Uh, utterly fascinating. So if you Good type gosh. in history of cosplay on, into uh, into YouTube, uh, you'll go and bump into it. It's ut- ut- utterly brilliant, and it got the first picture of them like dressed up. It is bloody hilarious. But anyway, cosplay, <laughs> don't let us down, folks. We want wellies, we want um, dum-de-dum apparel, and um, anything else that reeks of the countryside. Uh, now, uh, so that's domdomcom Now, if you want to um, help and support the show, there's a few ways this can be done. First uh, off, i a... d- oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Are I thought that was my free... bit. It's not Yeah, it is. It is. Sorry. Oh. Uh, right. If
1: you uh, want to get in sorry. contact with us, you can send us a Very voice sorry. message via SpeakPipe. That's the fourth Thousand apology I've had today. Uh, um, on the website. Or you can call 0203 0313105 to leave a message.
2: Mm. And also, and I know I'm saying this every week deliberately, Lucy, do you remember mm. there was that uh, Farrago a few weeks ago where I wanted you to get your baps out and I was just like really sexist about it? Yes. Right. Uh, and, and 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 I said, if people write reviews, uh, then basically you will strip off. And it was very sexist. Mm. And, and then this is the bit that I say and I say every week now. Do you want to know where we got to in the chart when people were writing reviews? Do you want to know where we got to? We or got to 14, you know? didn't we? Oh, no. We got to number 10 this weekend.
1: <gasps> did we? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. We got to number 10, Lucy. We've had so many new reviews. Right, I've really got to thank everybody. I did post a little link on Facebook and Twitter um, on Saturday, and people have just gone for it. You know, we've got up to number 10. So this is what I reckon. If you're thinking of writing a review for dum dum don't. Don't do it for another couple of weeks because <laughs> there's serious science in this. The way the algorithm works, it's the, velo- it's the amount of downloads and the velocity of reviews. And they don't tell you exactly how, how they calculate it, but it, those two things are really important. So in approximately two weeks' time, after the next Dumpty Dum, I'm going to say, write a review on this specific day. And it's going to be the day that, that we release Dumpty Dum. So we're going to release the Dumpty Dum on a day. And then we say, write reviews on the day. And I reckon we can get into that top three. Because I know it's to do with how quickly the reviews come in and the show having a lot of downloads. If we can get to number 10 on a bit of a whim, we can definitely crack that top three. So if you're thinking of writing a review, don't until I say so. Just saying. Does it mean that Lucy is going to strip off or me or anything? It's just a bit of fun, right? But it does help us to publicize uh, the show and to basically uh, to get new listeners. And talking about new listeners, if you Mm. want to listen to something new, listener, why don't you try walkie-talkie? So... Lucy Freeman's Walkie Talkie is out. It's in the wild, so to speak. And she's, who Who do you speak to this week?
1: Um, well, normally it's anonymous, but there was pointless trying to make this anonymous because uh, her voice is extremely distinctive. It's Stella Creasy, the MP.
2: Oh, and it was a bloody good one. <laughs> you know what I love about when I uh, edit your walkie talkies? is I actually forget that I'm working. I just listen and I'm actually being entertained. And then you get to to the end and think, oh shit, that's a bit long. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, you know, it's lovely. You really do transport me. And I do, I, I am on that walk with you and the person you're walking with. So, uh, big props to you, Mrs, uh, for doing a wonderful show. So, if you have um, some spare capacity in your noggin for another podcast, why don't you do Walkie Talkie by uh, my wonderful friend Lucy V Freeman because they are rather good. They are absolutely excellent. And um, you get a nice bit of music right at the end too. So, uh, listen to Walkie Talkies because they're ace. Uh, yeah, another way. I saw Stella's can...
1: mum today. Mm? Um, I yeah. saw Stella's mum today. I haven't seen her for ages. And uh she said, I listened, to the, I listened to it, and she said, I, I rang Stella, and I said, you didn't tell me that you broke the dishwasher. <laughs> Stella said, no, you were too busy mopping up the sick in the passage. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 uh, that was an excellent show. Well done, yeah. Another way that you can support um, our good works here at Dumb Jones, by going to patreon.com, and uh, you give us $2 per show. And that gives you the right and the privilege and the utter honour of being able to download some free exclusive content. And this month it is my interview with Brian Aldridge, a.k.a. uh, Charles Collingwood. And uh, I think you'll understand the reason why he's such a great after dinner speaker. Uh, when you listen to that interview, sort of story after story. And Wind him just... up and let him go. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You just say, hello, Charles, and then he doesn't stop. <laughs>
1: Sit back, <laughs> and go on, make a cup of tea. <laughs>
2: 45 minutes worth of content done. You know, so uh, it's another pleasure speaking to him and stuff. So uh, you listen to me, you can listen to me uh, speak to the Squire of Ambridge, who's in somewhat reduced circumstances at the moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, become a Patreon supporter and you get, Extra goodies, um, Facebook, Twitter, social media—that's the beating heart of Dumpty Dum. And Twitter was where we were, birth- we were conceived there, weren't we, Lucy? You yeah. and I got together and conceived Dumpty uh, Dum on Twitter, which is uh, not an easy thing to do, really, but we <laughs> we managed it. <laughs> and so, on Twitter, you can follow me where I'm at, Royfield. Lucy is at
1: Lucy V Freeman.
2: And then, of course, if you go to at dum, basically you get Bear being all clever and funny. Then there is at uh, naked fingers for Robart. and there is at angela barnes for angela barnes. That's that's the whole kit and communal. that's the team, folks. Uh, and then, of course, Facebook. If you go there, just type in dumpty dum and you'll get some dumpty dum action on Facebook. Hmm. Now, Lucy, uh, I'm surprised we've dragged this out for one hour and 19 minutes worth of record time. So by the time I've Extensively to be edited this we'd probably shave about 30 seconds off uh because yeah you know, <laughs> uh, um do you have any last parting words you'd like to say to the mass dumpty listeners throughout the four corners of planet earth
1: uh no apart from have a very nice week
2: mm. well i'm just going to implore you all to uh to book your tickets for dumpty dum life because a uh, lot of fun will be had And it's really nice hearing from you, uh, hearing from listeners saying, oh, I'm coming up from Brighton or I'm coming up from wherever. Oh, there's a Brighton meetup soon. I think that's that's the 12th, isn't it? If you're organizing that Brighton meetup, uh, why don't you send us an email, send me an email and then we'll read out the the details properly, because I know there's some chatter on Either the Flick app or on Twitter, I can't remember which. But let's get it officially publicised through through DumDum. So, whoever's organising it, send me send me the details, and we'll publicise that on the next Dumdy so You get a nice little turnout for that. But I I think it's October the twelfth. I think it's October the twelfth. Anyway, that's me done. Um, I've got a busy day ahead of me. Loose. I got I got to, got to uh, edit me uh, Mid Atlantic, and then Dumdy Dum next. And then finish off ten American presidents, and then after that, I'm going to do your next walkie-talkie. Though won't release that for a month, and and then I've got to interview the mayor of San Francisco. So it's ah. all all exciting times, busy, busy, busy. How's your week looking work wise?
1: Um, it's not because my mammy's coming to stay. Oh, Mm-mm. does she? Which will mean a she... lot of garden centres. I would imagine. But that is her natural habitat.
2: Hey, all right. A bit of a home based vanishing.
1: No, that's not a garden centre. Is it not? I don't no. know. I don't know all that. Well, it stuff. is, but it's a rubbish one. No, well, it's you need to go to a proper one.
2: one. Yeah. Why is, it, why is home based rubbish?
1: Oh, because it's all... Genuine it's question. All, well, it's all just bedding plants, and there's no proper plants, and they're all silly water features and all that stuff. You want to go somewhere where there's 47 different versions of a clematis. That's what you want. <laughs> and everyone knows all the Latin names of things. Oh.
3: Oh.
2: Sounds to me like you bit an elitist.
3: <laughs> I am <laughs> not a <gardening> <laughs> elitist. <laughs> yes.
2: Mm-hmm. That's your proper habitat, isn't it? (laughs) Elitedom. All right, you listen, love you lots as always, Freeman. I'm going to skedaddle. Take care, love.
1: Bye Bye bye. Bye.
3: Catch a star if you can. Wish for something special.